Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll fucking beast them. We'll go full fucking beast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to go full fucking beast once again. Craig Elston back with you. Our season three succession podcast is off and rolling. The season debut is in the rear view mirror, and I am back in my war room on a flight to the prettiest airport hotel in Sarajevo. I have gathered my conciliaries uh, to dissect and go through everything from episode one, season three of Succession, titled Secession, a a topic that Texas knows a lot about. Uh, I'd like to introduce our all-star panel. First off, he is our official Succession correspondent. He's kind of laughing, but not nice laughing. It's Bo Linet, ladies and gentlemen. I, I prefer uh, to be known as the Shadow Home Secretary of Succession, <laughs> full fucking beast, but uh, always an honor and uh, a, a heavy, a heavy watch for the nation. Everybody is tuned in, driven by the finest television content podcast in San Diego County. Yeah, we like to have those geo boundaries and then we are very proud of them uh, from within. Also joining us up from L.A., he's looking to throw a couple things in the old lobster pot. It's Justice Parman. Welcome back, Justice. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, Last week after our first recording, uh, I did some media monitoring uh, over here and I saw that we were trending just below tater tots. So hopefully we can put out some good memeage to memeage over this like next course of like an hour or so try and get over the hump of tater tots and you know we'll get there i believe in us i think the memeage the memeage is is turning out turning out pretty well uh and rounding out our panel as always you know he's about to eat dick for three hours straight and yes he'd like a fucking room it's Corey stewart ladies and gentlemen i just got an alert on my phone that i've been followed by the pope by the way (laughs) i I did oh it's not that pope Oh. <laughs> but a pope that's nice a pope ladies and gentlemen this, this, this what an episode we're back succession is back two years away from jesse armstrong's masterpiece now we've got an episode to chew on coming up later in the show we're going to reveal uh, our picks for the number one boy of the week we'll we'll look at our uh weekly look at at our draft and see who's doing well and poorly in our stock watch we'll look for the biggest insult uh we'll we'll look for the cringiest cringe the biggest move uh we'll try and uh make a tomlet by breaking a few gregs we'll do all of that later on in the show we'll go through the the episode from start to finish but guys i i thought let's just start with some top line reactions some thoughts uh, to you know the themes, to what we saw, uh, you know, in the return of season one, and, and the first thing for me right off the top, or the return of season three, the thing right off the top for me is that we got 
Kendall back. We got season one Kendall back with the shiny face and the wild eyes and the goofy smile and the fast talk and seeking approval from all animate and inanimate animate objects around him. You know, uh, Kendall is back and it was a lot of fun. Juice is loose. <laughs> That scene. That, uh, that, that scene was amazing. The, as a matter of fact, I wrote down the, the quote out of that. The when he looks back at Greg and says, "Who said I never killed anyone?" and then just puts this huge smile on. I, I was just like, "That was a moment. Oh, that was man. the moment." Mm, like, was. I was like, wow. <laughs> I tell you what, one of the biggest moments, because that he was a broken toy, right? The in, entire second season, all of a sudden, something that broke him, the thing that broke him, he's making an offhand joke. Not that Greg knows or, you know, not that Jess in the car knows the joke he's making, but we know the audience knows. And I thought, I, you know, low key, that was one of the biggest moments of the episode, wasn't it? Yeah, I, the writing in that moment was like, it was such a flex from the writer's room, in my in my opinion, because I actually, like, I caught that kind of being a double entendre of, like, that's, you know, Kendall in that moment that we saw in season one. But I think in that moment, for whatever reason, I wonder if Kendall was thinking about, I just killed my dad. Like, I just killed Logan Roy. And so I don't know why. I just, I saw that too, and I just thought it worked on so many great levels. Dude, they just murdered that scene it was beautiful what occurred to me in uh in jeremy strong's performance as kendall was that he's had two years to sit around well not two years presumably they started shooting what nine months ago or so over a year to sit around and marinate in his process of being kendall roy there was a an interview with brian cox in the new york times a couple weeks ago uh, and he was asked about Jeremy Strong's acting process, his method acting, getting fully emotional into a character. And his response was he, that he, he says, one is empathetic to an actor who has to encase themselves in terms of concentration, of focus. And it's not what he does, but I just imagine Jeremy Strong sitting around for, for 18 months getting completely inside Kendall Roy. And that's what we saw is that season one, uh, almost uncomfortable to watch how much he was riding a high on his own adrenaline of having just dropped that bomb in the press conference. Um, but uh, <laughs> uncomfortably convincing Kendallness in this episode, to be sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's almost he's not putting on the sneakers in the back of the limousine to go pitch Volter quite yet, but it's kind of that energy. It's that same energy of I'm Kendall. And and especially as the episode is going on, Kendall, the pitch man, because he's trying to put his team together. You know, he, he's trying to get the Avengers together uh, around him. And, and over the course of that, you're really seeing him at his most manic at his and at his most excited. You know, it just seems like we haven't seen this excited version of Kendall at any point uh, since he went over the bridge. And, and And here it is. It's back. The calm Machiavellian Kendall from the end of season two seems to have taken a backseat to the the hardcore main line of adrenaline that he's writing. So we'll see where that goes. You know, meanwhile, guys, let's go to the other protagonist because Logan 
is it going in the opposite direction, right? Kendall is racing through the streets of New York. He's finding a hidey hole. He's, he's bunkering. He's getting his team. He's excited. He's crackling. He's alive. Logan is primal. Logan is just angry, you know, lashing out raw, uh, literally in retreat. Uh, you know, retreating to a, a place where there's no extradition treaty and thus, you know, finding the nicest airport hotel in Sarajevo, five stars at Hotel Clio uh, for, for, you know, his war room gang and, and for Logan himself. Uh, from a Stockwatch standpoint, I mean, it's pretty clearly uh, pretty clear that where they're positioning are, are two guys on, on the board to begin with Kendall rising, Logan falling. The, the fight or flight with Logan, it's funny because I just thematically, the like he wants to fight. You see it in his actions and the way he's speaking to everyone around him and calling to Kendall, I'm going to grind your bones to make my bread. But then just looming whenever like he's around, there's always, whether he's in a plane or there's planes flying over him, like it's very much, I caught the theme of there's just always that flight mentality, like, I'm not going to land in New York. And he says, oh, I don't want to run back and act like a slap little girl. I forget what he said, but I don't think he wants to face that necessarily. And you see him in this episode. He's questioning everyone. He's getting advice from everyone. He did that a lot at the end of last season, too. And so, yeah, I just think the power dynamics have completely changed. Shiv said it. Uh, Kendall changed the game. And I think it's clear from those two. Yeah. You know, and I look at it, guys, and you, you get both halves, right? And you're just talking about it, Justice. You know, Corey, you get the just the angry, like kind of cornered tiger version of Logan. Uh, at one point, literally in the corner of the room, right? Roman and Shiv are, are talking to themselves over at a different spot in the bar. And all of a sudden, you just hear from the corner of the screen, if you've got surround sound, right? Did you know, Connor, Roman, Shiv, did you know? You know, so you've got that level, but then you've got the calculating, organizing Logan that we saw episodes nine, 10, right? Of season two, where he's tra- time for a blood sacrifice, where, he, you know, he's been in these wars clearly before. Yeah, he, it feels like he's been at least through the first two seasons, except for when, you know, when he was obviously really down with the, the illness. Um, he, he dictates and he, is two steps ahead of everybody and he has you know a plan a a plan b a plan c and right now it's just he's on his heels and he's in reaction mode right now and and it's and and, and he's it's he's not good at it is what is what it, is what it feels like because he's always been the guy that's in control and always is the guy who's calling the shots and pushing people to do what he needs and now it's he's He's like I said, he's back on his heels and it's he's having a he's having a hard time at the very end of the episode. I mean, he just looked like it was like it, it, it's, it, it's taking a toll on him. Obviously, he's he looked drained and he looked beaten. And that's really rare for him. I, but, but, you know, I mean, I don't expect him to be down <laughs> for too long. So something's going to happen. But yeah, it's right now. It's just it's, it's weird to see that with him. Come back, kid. Didn't Frank call him the comeback kid? Yes. So, kid. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, but when will he come back? From I the Balkans. I mean, yeah. <laughs> never. We'll stay there. 
let's do a teleconferencing uh the whole episode yeah, the whole season and then come back in the finale i love the, the hugo line great another plane <laughs> you know bo from a strategic standpoint <laughs> The, the show did a couple of things I thought was very interesting. Like, I, I would say if you were really going to gather up the plot of episode one, a lot of it is is uh, recruitment, right? Who's going to be whose lawyer? Who's going to be whose PR firm? You know, let's kind of marshal our secondaries, uh, you know, our, play a little game of Stratego. Um, but from a uh, showrunner game board standpoint, one of the things that we know makes Succession such a dynamic show is having all these characters in the same place and this show has created whether it's a wedding or uh, some honorarium or whatever they've come up with a series of excuses to always get the band together but uh, i i kind of felt bo in this episode like you were seeing a distinct shift in, in episode one where it's like no we're taking these two groups and we are separating them and you've got a, a you know a group in new york and then you've got logan's coterie that's going to be in eastern europe and and i really do wonder when when the twain shall meet again and and you wonder to what extent has logan deliberately uh preconceived that is let me just split all the players up and and scatter them around the world um so they're they're not in my face and collaborating, you know, in real time. Um, I I've got I've got a off the board suggestion for my number one boy that sort of refers to that. So, um, but yeah, it's an interesting setup. And as we discussed, uh, you know, at the end of last season, is they didn't jump ahead, and I think that makes a lot of sense with the huge layoff, uh, two years between um seasons it really made sense to just jump in on the same day or the next day and get right back into that moment to pull you back into where the narrative left off instead of if a show had six months off and you could come in and sort of reset the board a month or a few weeks down the line um and the other thing that we discussed previously it, it appears they're going to ignore the pandemic and pretend, pretend it doesn't exist yeah. which i think i understand now is is that's i think that's kind of why society forgot all of the lessons of the spanish flu cuz nobody wants to dwell on it We're in in two, right now we don't want to think about it and especially in a couple of years it's it's not going to age well to have masks and vaccination and lockdown talk so um, it appears we're just going to live in a universe where the pandemic happened. And, and I think that kind of escapism is, is fine and understandable. Totally agree. And I'll just note as an aside to that, Bo, that, um, for example, Apple has generally taken the exact opposite tack with their shows. And from my standpoint to their detriment, uh, I was really enjoying Mr. Corman, which I know got canceled after one year that Joseph Gordon Levitt kind of artsy uh, project on, on Apple TV plus, but I thought it was really good. And then they had a first couple weeks of the pandemic episode that was like really back into the, to the weeds of somebody kind of obsessively washing their hands and whatnot. And I just stopped cold in the episode. I'm like, I don't need to experience this. I lived it. Yeah. I don't need to have this. And similarly, the morning show, uh, which I think we'll be talking about next week on the regular crossing streams uh, episode, uh, has decided to make COVID the whole focus of the season and it's driving me crazy. And I think it's ruining the show. 
you know, and, and so it's it's really a tough creative choice, I think, for every showrunner. But especially I loved what Jesse Armstrong said when he said, like, the pandemic didn't affect people in this strata the same way. You know, they would Oops. barely know that it happened. And, and I think yeah. that's kind of fair because, you know, no real people involved. Right. That's their uh, their menu. They think there's a lot of not real people. Uh, the, so. the super rich are a different species. You know, the the one percent of the one percent are are simply apart from all of us. So <laughs> why not let us escape, you know, in into their their non humanness? Absolutely. So. All right, guys action stations let's fucking go let's get into this let's uh spin through the episode here real quick and and you know there's always a decision that's made in the previously on you know the previously ons and the next ons there's always decisions behind that and i thought it was interesting while we know it was one of the most important lines of all of season two that that kind of the crux of the previously on hit on you have to be a killer and I wonder, will that be the theme of this season that each each person in our group, will they have what it takes to truly be a killer? Because in this first episode, I think Roman shows that he clearly does not have the killer instinct. Shiv shows he, she at, at least initially with her father does not have that killer instinct. A lot of people homina homina into their shoes around Logan Roy. Uh, Kendall has it for now, but uh, for how long? And, and you have to be a killer. I just wonder, is that kind of going to be our underline it theme of season three? I think the the precedent has been set right at the end of season two. It's like Logan said, you have to be a killer. And then Kendall did the killing. So it's like, okay, who can, who can essentially top or match what Kendall did to kind of gain that respect? I get like that warped, warped, twisted amount of respect. And it's, uh, it's actually really just, touching back really quickly because I watched it last night and I watched it before they had the previously on, which was bizarre. They just like put you right into the episode, but it was a nice storytelling mechanism because Bo, like you said, how they jumped it, they jumped us right back in for whatever reason, when they opened in on Logan, I had to do a side by side shot, like analysis of, Brian Cox's face at the end of season two, where they left him and how they opened him on season three. It seemed like he had that same exact smile. Like, and I kind of got this sense from this season or from this episode too. And it could be, could also be um, another central theme along with, uh, do you have what it takes to be a killer? This family, like they thrive off of chaos. They love the, as much as it like surrounds them and like every, all the 31 flavors of fuckers swarming in, like they live for this. And I think that's another like big thing that's going to happen this season. So along with, uh, do you have what it takes to be a killer? It's, can you thrive in this chaos and be that killer at the very end of it? And yeah, I, can't wait to see. Obviously, Roman let me down at the very last. He had me in the first half because I had my boy. And he made the call and he was so assured. I was like, let's go, Roman. And I was like, oh, oh no. And it was a, just a little silent pause. Mm-hmm. He didn't get the immediate response from from daddy. So he immediately shifted into supporting Jerry and putting down Shiv. And, you know, well, it's good for Roman to start low so hopefully that he can rise up at the end of the season easy way to win the game is to set yourself at the bottom to start things off it's a great way to go so not bad so yeah i can't wait (laughs) 
nowhere to go but up. You know, one of the guys, one of the things I love about this show, and, and you get part of it right as, as we open up here, you know, we've got our, our main group, right? We, we, we've got the, the Roy family, you know, we've got Tom and Greg, but the group of people whose dedicated career is to just absorb shit, solve problems, you know, keep the trains moving and do so in a, a torrent of abuse, you know, are so beautifully played and just so immaculately acted on this show. And of course, we love Jay Cameron Smith as Jerry. Uh, David Raish, I think, as Carl, is just putting together one of the most subtle, great performances. Uh, and we get back Hugo, you know, uh, Hugo Baker, played by Fisher Stevens, and he's just got the exact right look for this slime ball opportunist, you know, the guy who's going to come in and just get everything done. And, uh, you know, where are we going? Uh, well, New York or to uh, Geneva or London or Singapore or L.A. <laughs> it's like, OK, another plane. <laughs> Great. Uh, just absolutely love it. Um, meanwhile, we've got Kendall. Uh, is Kendall on the verge of a panic attack here? You know, in his suit, in an empty bathtub, clenching his... I, I kind of feel, at, at first when I watched it and he sank into the tub, I thought, okay, yeah, he's about to fall apart. Because remember, we see him sinking into the pool to start season two, right? We just see his eyes uh, above the reflection of the water. But here I kind of felt, after I watched it the second time, guys, I, I kind of felt like he was taking himself down from a panic attack. Like he was doing some like really kind of growly breathing and doing some things with his hands. And I think he was like, I don't know, but my, my take was like more that less that he was on the verge of losing it and more that he was on the verge of pulling himself together. I got that same feeling too, but that's what, that's exactly what he was doing. I love Greg outside the door. They're going, just, can you just say, okay, I know you're fine. Just say the word. Okay. And then boom, (laughs) door opens. It's like, let's go. It's like, great open great open greg's still on alert right he's still on like technically like suicide watch right so he's knocking the door like please be okay i don't want to be at the wrath of love just please be say okay i don't Um, want to break down this door Uh, you probably can't (laughs) (laughs) kendall had that energy of and i don't know if, if any of you've been around recovering addicts or alcoholics dry drunks have that frantic sort of energy that makes you think wouldn't it be better if you actually just it, inside you're sort of i wish you were an addict again because you were easier to deal with you know instead of this this mad energy that is is sort of a, a addiction times 12 because it's not tempered by anything um Ken, kendall talking over his own hired pr people um, <laughs> Just shows how, how difficult it is for anybody in his orbit that's not his family to deal with the, the guy because he's he's such a fucking douchebag um, and has uh, reaching out to the Bojack guys and I'm gonna, you know <laughs> go crazy on Twitter is his big plan for a takeover is yeah. to make his Twitter feed go wild. Um, so yeah, the, the dry drunkness of Kendall is it has to spin and Roman predicted because he's going to do crack again because he loves it. Yeah. So Ro- Roman's Roman's setting everything up for Kendall's uh, relapse and downfall. Yeah. You talk about that frantic energy, Bo. like when we see Kendall 
uh, you know, after the, the succession theme plays and after we get through the credits, the first thing we see now we are literally put into the seconds right after Kendall has walked off the podium and he's got Carolina and Greg behind her behind him. And he's like, you know, so where are we going? Right. Quest, where are we going? Uh, Waystar, plant a flag, uh, fix on my lawyer, PRs, get some independent directors shaking the uh, menu ride and, and let's go and maybe we'll go ride to see the fucking feds. And like that was all like in like eight seconds, you know, uh, it's like, uh, well, none of that's actually going to happen. You're going to go to Rava's house. But, um, you know, kicking Carolina out of the, of the car like you're talking about that frantic injury. No weevils in the flower sack. I need a clean. I need a clean jar. <laughs> you know, just incredible stuff. And really, you know, when I think thematically, uh, this is a good one for you, Justice, through the, the episode, everything is in motion mm-hmm. in this episode. And I think that's why when I first watched it last night, um, I was like struggling right away to go, OK, well, what was it all about? Like, what were the main themes? But the theme was motion. Everyone is moving either literally, you know, as in they are going from someplace to somewhere else. Or and really, that's you know, Kendall's in a car, in a town car, driving through New York City. You know, our, our Balkans crew are on planes, flying one place or another. As soon as Shiv lands, she's in a car, right? And we've only got a couple of moments of people waiting, and when they're waiting, they're importantly waiting in ho- airport hotels <laughs> with planes moving around them. So, like travel motion. That, you know, the, this kind of sense of constant motion, I felt like was one of the biggest themes as we're watching both Kendall and Logan moving from here to there. It absolutely was. And even through just mo- just like transportation wise, even like extras in a frame at Rob, one of the biggest uh, examples of that that I wrote down was when Kendall goes to Rob's apartment and Kendall asks, hey, can you guys stay out here just for a little bit? Just wait for a little bit. And they have their pleasantries, right? But even, even before Rava agrees to have everyone come through and be at the apartment, his crew is already through the door. Hasn't waited on like, yeah, guys, come in. They're already setting up. Everything's moving. And when there's, you know, when people are sitting down, you know, his crew's moving, just everything is moving. And the biggest moment I feel like when it stopped is when Logan called Kendall in the car. It all stopped. The score cut out. Everything just stood still, but to Kendall's credit, like they still took the call. He did hand it off to Jess, who, by the way, she did such a tremendous job in that scene. She is incredible. I want more Jess. I love her so much, but yeah, the motion was completely planned. They do that with the camera too. They have certain things where they kind of draw parallels within Logan and Kendall through the motion. They have Kendall, coming in and barking something at Greg in one scene, leaving a room. And then immediately when Kendall leaves, they have Logan coming into a room, barking something. It's all just, it's, it was so well-directed and I'm really glad that, yeah. Cause I didn't think of that thematically, but when you say it, it, it all makes sense. Directing wise, they crushed it. Yeah. Even so, yeah. when you think about like uh, people talking in rooms in this episode, those rooms are moving. Like, uh, you know, or they're or they are standing on a place of motion, like two of the the clips that we'll have just in a minute are on a tarmac or in a plane. You know, uh, a lot of the conversations are on phones in planes. 
So like, they're taking it as far a level as they can uh, in terms of everybody is in, everyone's in flux. Everyone in the succession world is in flux. Uh, you know, no one is in a stationary position. It, it's a broken field and, and everyone has a chance, I guess, you know, to make their own runs right now, either individually uh, or, or, or collectively. Hey, Bo, what did, what did you think about uh, Greg's uh, media monitoring? in the car sliding the socio-political thermometer up the nation's ass and taking a reading uh the internet is big and i haven't read all of it yet but (laughs) (laughs) um that was amazing um i i I, and it's interesting when he, he comes up with just some nonsensical you know uh reply that doesn't do anything uh for Kendall, Kendall just kind of gives a wry smile. Um, he doesn't really care what he gets from Greg. Greg has the documents. Greg was the key man. So if he if he gets one shred of something usable, he's he's I think he's fine with it. He's not going to make him CFO tomorrow. So as long as he's in the car, feels cool with Greg. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, the only respectful <laughs> things I think Logan says the entire episode, he says to Kendall through third party. But, you know, the first thing that you hear him say through Jess is it was a decent play. Right. Uh, it, it was a decent play. Um this could get very ugly for him. You made a decent move, retract, right? Um, and then later when Logan's angry, you hear, it was a play, a fucking move. You know, if there's anything that Logan Roy respects on the board, it's somebody making a move. I, I, I just want to say something about the the, uh, the, the car scene there. <laughs> if, if you go back and, and you rewatch it, just watch Jess the entire time. Just watch her face the entire time, because she's she's so great in that scene, uh, and it's and it, it's 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 almost impossible for me to look at anybody else when Jeremy Strong is on is on camera, but her facial expressions as she's watching the bullshit come out of Greg's mouth, <laughs> as she's as she's relaying the things that are coming from Logan and what's coming back from is just it's it's. Such, it's a it's such a spectacular scene. I have a huge crush on Jess. I, I just I love her so much. I have to shout I have to shout out the actress Juliana Canfield. That's yes. her name. She is uh, she's brilliant. There is a moment, like you said, Corey, when the, the moment where I, I think she just crushed it. Her scene is when she's relaying Kendall saying 
she's like, say I'm going to run up off the fucking beanstalk. <laughs> and she goes to say it to Logan, but she censors her. Yeah. She censors the fuck. She goes, uh, the beanstalk. She's <laughs> brilliant. I want, yeah. Juliana Canfield. She is amazing. Cast and directors hire her, like have her in everything. Cause I think right. she's fantastic. She is. So as that call ends with, you know, I'll, I'll grind your bones to make my bread, <laughs> which is now going to be absolutely going on my Christmas card uh, this year, for sure. Um, <laughs> we, we see Logan hang up. We, we, we get to see Logan's side uh, of the call, and that's where he says, OK, action stations. And I love that, that both father and son had the exact same thing to say to his to their crew, you know, except he says, I gave him a chance. And by giving him a chance, right. he means a chance to prostrate himself, <laughs> destroy himself, fall on the funeral pyre, you humiliate know. himself again. It was like, just go out and say that you fucked up and you're, you're, you're whatever, wasted or whatever. It's like in the Ocean's Eleven universe, we would say he gave him a Billy Martin, offered him a Billy Martin. <laughs> One more <laughs> chance to do it over. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he's got his war room together. He asks immediately, like, what direction should we go? Right. And, and Jerry says, look, we have to cooperate. Right. We have no choice. We have to cooperate. We're a public company. And right away, Roman's like, ah, but do we? You know, we could pull up the drawbridge. Uh, you know, we, we could we could stall through the election. We could anoint anointy the raisin a second term because they've the got raisin. Yeah. And apparently the raisin, which is the nickname of the president. I don't know if we're going to see the president cast. I would love it if we only see him on the phone or like never see him at all, um, which is my guess on what direction they'll go. Like he's not worthy of showing up on the screen on succession, not a big enough player uh, to, to be on the screen. But I, who do we think the raise is the raisin going to be a running kind of Trump analogy? Do we think, or is it going to be something else? I hadn't contemplated it. The raisin sort of conjures up a cross between Ronald Reagan and Joe Biden, somebody very old. I don't know if that qualifies uh, Trump. And it, it doesn't sound exactly like somebody who's the completely uh, loose wild card that Trump is. Um, right. I suspect that he's going to be um, the man off to the side that we, we never see because we've already got so many players they didn't have anything for Connor in this episode. There, were, there was, you know, only passing mention for some of the, you know, important pieces on the board. So, um, yeah, I, I, I doubt we meet the president. Is my guess. Yeah, uh, Connor uh, holding down the Balkans with two divisions, <laughs> trying to see if he can get Willa to go in on uh, on the old Irano cycle and, and make it a thing for the hipsters and the dipshits. <laughs> Hipsters okay. and the dipshits. was such a great line. <laughs> that scene was so interesting. That scene was so, so interesting because it kind of goes on about what we're talking about with motion too, right? Because Logan is assigning roles, uh, go in the playing war room. Willa has to be like, hey, hey, excuse me. What about him over here? And he's like, oh yeah, con. Yeah, very important. Very important. Just not coherent. Just like, oh yeah, very important. Yeah, take control of it. But uh I don't know. I just got, um, if anyone, it's like a Ted Lasso finale spoiler. 
So I don't want to, I don't want like super spoil it. Craig, you can let me know if I can. Hey, like, don't spoil. worry. Uh, episode one forty five of Crossing Streams is the Ted Lasso season finale episode where everything was spoiled. So at this point, now after I finish talking, if you haven't watched it, it's time to press the forward fifteen button four times because here's what Justice is about to say. I have a weird, like none percent chance feeling that Connor could potentially try and do some Nate level shit in the beginning, or maybe I'm just coming off of fresh uh, off of seeing Nate and him being just like cast aside. Hugo says to Nate or uh, <laughs> to Nate to con that. Oh, there's a separate, there's a separate van for you. There's a separate yeah. van over here. Uh, yeah. Con's not mentioned at all in any of the plans, but Will has to be like, Hey, get over here. <laughs> so I'm curious just from that one scene that I saw. And also Connor had that little moment in the trailer where he had a big speech to dad, but it might just be Willa pushed him up the escalator and made him go say that to his dad. That could also be a thing, but I don't know. I'm, I'm it. This episode at least piqued my curiosity in terms of the plans for Connor this season. Yeah. If anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, too, wow, will Connor do an eight? Now, if his hair goes completely gray and we lose Alan all Ruck. the salt and pepper <laughs> then uh, on Alan Ruck, then we'll know for sure. So uh, at this kind of stage in the episode, I, I thought it was interesting because it was very, very cross cut. In fact, it was people calling people on the other side of the scene uh, quite often as Logan is getting everyone together to move right to uh, you know and and separate right and hey jerry you and shiv and roman you're going to go back to new york you're going to handle things you know and me and carl and, and hugo uh and frank we're going to go and, and jerry uh no pardon me jerry went went west you know we're going to go to sarajevo right uh meanwhile kendall is calling people in the party as they're moving kendall calls frank gives frank this whole pitch Frank just listens quietly on the phone, doesn't do anything, right? Kendall calls Jerry. Jerry sends him to voicemail. Kendall calls Shiv. She hangs up on him. So it was kind of interesting to see, like, at that exact moment where Kendall's status was you know, with the lieutenants. Who could he pull to the other side? And at that moment, Frank was listening. Jerry wasn't taking the call at all. And Shiv listened long enough to hear a shivy, shivy, shiv. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she bailed out of there. And meanwhile, uh, Jerry is trying to call the president, but she winds up instead talking to uh, the president's pantsuit barnacle. <laughs> as, uh, as she was described. And I thought this was interesting because it was a female, the advisor to the president and the advisor's name was Michelle Ann. And that's why I kind of went bow for that. Is it Trump? Because I'm like, okay, is this Kellyanne Conway? You know, Michelle Ann, who is there and offered Jerry the the most polite of cold shoulders on on the cell phone. You could take it the other way and wonder if the pantsuit barnacle is uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, longtime assistant, Huma. um, Oh, yeah. What's his name's wife? Who's just sort of a, a stalwart never die within the democratic establishment. So you can sort of pick your own analog to decide who you'd, who you'd like it to be. Um, 
but they're obviously referring to either amalgam of characters or specific characters that you can imagine. Yes. Um, so Michelle Ann doesn't give Logan the uh, the full A okay. You know, he asks for it on speaker. He gets a very very guarded response. The DHA or DAG, a little bit of a loose cannon. Um, and as such, right then he decides that's it. I'm not going back to the United States, right? <laughs> We've got a list of places to go. Bahrain, Bosnia, Kuwait, Lebanon, Maldives, Morocco, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the Vatican. By, by the way, like, how do you not pick Maldives out of that? How do you not pick Maldives? Out of all of them. <laughs> you have all this money, and you, you're in a shitty airport hotel somewhere. It's, you, you could have been in the Maldives. I was like, are you kidding? What, who's, who's picking this? Yeah. Uh, now, very subtly, and this is what I love about this show, guys. And and honestly, it's why it took me two times watching uh, that. Plus, I went to a soccer match Saturday, Sunday afternoon. You know, I was I was pretty gassed Sunday night when I watched. So I just like I just watched the episodes. And then today, when I go back, I'm like, oh man, there were like really important things that bad shows would have laid out in like the most obvious exposition where the scene started with okay we have two choices for a lawyer and it could be the real mean guy named leo or it could be lisa who is very popular and might give us a better chance right and instead that's like it was like the 80th thing in a string of in a pattern of of dialogue and it just kind of got thrown out there where a lot of people would have absolutely missed it but uh, i thought thought it's interesting because it winds up being one of the power situations of the show, right? Lisa is Lisa Arthur. She's like the popular, uh, you know, very slick, uh, you know, stock rising uh, attorney. And she's going to sign on with Kendall. And then that is what prompts the actual full fucking beast quote at the end of the episode. As he said, let's go get Leo. We'll beast him. We'll go full fucking beast. So apparently Leo is a scorched earth, uh, you know, take no prisoners type lawyer. And of course, that's the one that Logan's going to hire. That was really the key turning point when Shiv could not bring um, his friend uh, Lisa uh, on as the um, as the as the hardcore lawyer who's going to give him uh, the sheen of credibility, um, and then Shiv falls in that moment. That was that was her utility for trying to bring on the important attorney. So everything turned around that lawyer. So it's going to be interesting to see what she comes out with and, and how Machiavellian of her to take the meeting with Shiv, knowing she yeah. was already on the other side. Um, so, yeah, that was that was definitely slipped in there. Oh, and hey, you know, just skipping ahead a bit and I'll bounce back. But when Shiv actually shows up at Lisa Arthur's office, Shiv is there to hire Lisa Arthur for Shiv, not yeah. for Logan. For Shiv, the the Logan part is done in the first sentence. As she walks in the room, Lisa's like, "Listen, you know, uh -uh, can't do Logan." She's like, "Okay, that's cool. I've got something else I want to talk to you about. How's about me? <laughs> How's about old number one in red, Shiv?" Uh, and then when that goes wrong, that's when Shiv is angry, and that's when Shiv talks to her driver and says change of plans and we will get to that uh and what those change of plans likely will be momentarily uh before we get off the tarmac though real quick i thought one of the the best and truly the saddest scenes 
of the episode took place on the tarmac. Tom and Shiv talking to each other and and seeing each other face to face for the last time. And I don't know how long it will be. Hey, so we'll we'll talk about things when we get back, right? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. You know, because I love you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Thanks. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, don't. You'll see him again. Well, yeah, obviously I'll see him again, Tom. Why would you say that? I'm being nice, Shiv. If you're worried that he won't come home, I think that's unlikely. Okay, so. Well, I know that. Okay. <laughs> Great. Fine. Okay. Okay. Oh, did Ken call you? Ken? Me? No. No? No, no. Not to speak. No, what? Did he call you? No. 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 No, I was just wondering. Okay, well, look after him. Okay. Keep in touch. Okay. And, and guys, when I when I listen to that, you know, it's the Shiv's complete inability to give anything to Tom. To view Tom as anything but transactional. Uh, you know, it, it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, the way that they are filmed separating and turning away from each other, almost like two fighters in a duel, like Hamilton and Burr, you know, their backs to each other and striding, pacing away from one another. It really made me feel like this is a way more permanent separation uh, than we're being led to believe just by the words alone. They really showed the length of the tarmac in that one shot. Right. It was just like they real the the camera department did a great job of just showcasing that distance and just yeah, poor Tom, just poor Minnesota boy says some says like a weird remark and it's it's weird, like you'll you'll bring him back a lot and you know, just being nice and then Shiv just like you said, transactional, like what's that supposed to mean? He's like, I I don't know, I just said something nice. I'm sorry. Uh, but again, like throughout the episode. Yeah, Shiv tells Tom to hustle, baby, hustle, and we're right back in it. And it's hot. It's, it's tough. Oh, and that's because she needed something from him. Yep. Uh-huh. Throw my name out there. Oh, you, you don't want you don't want the CEO, right? Oh, so it'd be okay for me. Do you want it? Oh, no, you don't want it. Even though that's already been established, like, last season, that they've probably already talked about this forever. And she's like, okay, yeah. Same me. Shiv is the worst. Go ahead, Corey. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, she is the worst of of of, of the of all the kids. I, she is so num just. She's number one. Period. I, I think the other ones at least have a, a, a little bit of their siblings or, or dad in mind. It's she's just. It's her number one. Number one. There's a really really small and at the end of that where they had that really awkward exchange. And like, they, they don't even hug or they don't even kiss. Did you notice that? Yeah. And no, they so, don't. And, no, they don't. Yeah. They, they don't even, I don't even know if they touched, but he. Um, no, she, he blows her a kiss. He, he blows her a kiss. To, like suck it yeah. in and grab it. Yeah. And she yeah. catches it. And then she turns and drops her hand like yeah. at, at, her, at her side. Like, like, like she caught it and then just dropped it. She's just terrible. Absolutely. Terrible. And then, like you said, when she went in to meet with the, the lawyer who's, you know, I'm really sorry, but I can't represent your dad. Okay, don't, don't care. Uh, what about me? Yeah, just just did not care at all. And then when it was, and then when she was turned down, called her it was just 
disrespectful to her, called her honey. Yeah, and honey. Just, yeah. Yeah, it was just shitty to her. Uh. <laughs> and then and then stormed out all pissed off. And 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 you know, yeah, yelling about Kindle, which is funny because it seems like now she's Maybe taken off to go towards Kendall now. Yeah, it's yeah. just it, it's just what, where, wherever the wind is blowing with her. It, 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 this team's winning. I'm on that team, I, and I, I did. That just seems like shit to me, a thousand percent. I I did think that Tom it, and Tom is one of the hardest characters to measure, sort of where his standing is at any one time. <laughs> but in that scene on the tarmac, I felt like. He did maintain some upper hand on Shiv. He didn't return the I love you. He didn't get close. You know, that was on him. She was ready to do, you know, let's pretend this is still a loving marriage situation. He would give in to that. And so you don't know to what extent that when he's reaching out uh, to see what he can do about trying to get her to be CEO, is he just playing her and, and playing the field or is he, you know, still giving her a window open to their relationship? So Tom, Tom's, Tom's smarter than his sort of character standing maybe lets on. So I, I still, I couldn't predict where he's going to go, but I, I think he maintained a little bit of upper hand in, in his shift situation. Kendall getting to Rava's place gives us a chance to get Rava back on the screen and, and no one can destroy Kendall with smiling microaggressions oh. better than Rava. You know, here comes Kendall still flush with adrenaline off this huge moment. That's national news. It's all over, you know, every network and every single person is talking to him about it. And when he shows up at Rava's, she says, oh, she's been a little up against it at work. Couldn't, couldn't watch Kendall. She was a little up against it at work, but then looks at him with that big smile. So you came here for a pat on the back. <laughs> and oh, then dear. he starts stammering into this whole thing about, no, no, no. What I did uh, really, really, it was kind of for you guys. <laughs> he was <laughs> gibbering. So, so selfless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that he was, he's like, you, 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 do you think I can win? Do you think I can do this? And she just kind of like, eh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it has been and in he, the mail. And he just tur- and he just turns around and I was like, shit, this is gonna break him again and he's gonna be all messed up. And then and then a, a few minutes later he's in going, Hey, can I invite my girlfriend over? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the balls. <laughs> like the balls. The complete contrast between his conversation with Rava and Nay. I was so confused. I was like, Nay, who's Nay Omi? Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What if you're like the best person in the world? Like just totally gassing him up like nothing. And then Rob is just like, I don't know. I just work and I got a DVR and I'll check it out. Yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you should. But you should totally watch it. Totally watch it to see how much I grown and how sick that was. Please tell me. Tell me I'm, I'm changed. I'm good. Oh, that poor, that poor puppy. Uh, uh, Greg's mom is uh, panic buying neutral bullets and buying a lot of Krugerans, specific (laughs) kinds of currency. She doesn't Uh, even drink smoothies. (laughs) Doesn't even drink smoothies. (laughs) And meanwhile, Kendall is is talking to a PR maven, Barry Schneider, and just that's got to be the most obnoxious, slimy, (sighs) like two minutes of dialogue in a while. It's rough. We love your narrative arc. 
we love winners and we think you're gonna win it's just I was so going like, how did they not leave immediately but they were looking at it's this is gonna be a lot of money we're gonna, yes. we're gonna make a ton of money off this douchebag and we're not even gonna have to do anything because he's just gonna give, keep giving us his terrible ideas uh yeah he was that he was more manic in that portion than, than probably anything he just mm. throwing just garbage ideas at them at, at the, these people that are, are the best at what they do and the reason you hire people that are at the best at what they do is to let them do their shit and he's just do this do this do this do this it's like why are they there What's, what's the point? So, I mean, you can see the dollar signs in their eyes. And I think oh. that's one of the things that Succession does so incredibly well is show the class of, you know, and we're about to talk about some more. These, these people who live off of this, who have created an economy for themselves. And she just sees Kendall there and just goes, okay, millions. Uh, you, know, I, you know, within two minutes, she knows this guy is an absolute train wreck and there's no question I'm going to do this. And, and I'm not going to have to do anything. <laughs> And this is going to be absolutely perfect in my hands. Uh, With a a plastic smile of just barely contained contempt. Uh, Right. Oh, that little love thing where she's like, fuck you. And he's like, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) Chino. Total Chino thing to say. Straight leg Chino way of saying it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Man, the lines on this show. Meanwhile, as uh, Logan's group is flying to Sarajevo, again, one of my absolute favorite small scenes. It's not a stop down, but I think it's really, really revealing. Uh, And it's also an incredibly well acted scene, which is between Carl portrayed by David Raich and Frank portrayed by Peter Friedman. How are you feeling? I'm looking forward to seeing more of the Balkans. Mm-hmm. Is this the worst? Well, there were the tabloid suicides. When we nearly went kablooey because of Argentina. I know. The Tiananmen accommodations. The black cloud after Sally Ann. I remember. I don't know. He's the comeback kid. No, I know, I know, I know. But Senate, FBI, SEC, class actions, plus Sandy and Stewie. I mean, this is a 12-foot sub of poisonous tree frogs. This is the full Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors of fuck right there. Gentlemen. And, you know, we get this chance to hear the, these, guy, these guys talk to themselves and the way that they've talked to themselves 
in offices and on trips for years, but we rarely get that chance to hear them only interact with one another. Usually Logan's, you know, like within listening range. I, I, I loved Frank's just deadpan, you know, going through all of his crises, but he's the comeback kid. I, I was going to say, I, I love that Tom, because we were talking earlier about Bo saying that, you know, Tom is smarter than he lets on. And, and, and that was a scene I think that really showed that because Tom was just sitting there and just absorbing it and, and yes. not saying anything, not interjecting, just letting them, letting those two talk and, and just taking it in. I, and I, th- I thought that was like a, a, one of his smartest scenes just to not say a damn thing and just learn. That's so interesting too, Corey, because I always attributed that kind of trait to Greg in the first two seasons, even though he's like kind of goofy but he's always around. Greg's always around and he's always listening, even though he comes across it. So it was interesting to see Tom kind of play that version and, and, and in like, yeah, <sighs> so good. The the version of Tom that uh, walked up to Logan and ate a piece of chicken <laughs> off his plate on the, on the yacht and said, Logan, thanks for the chicken. Thanks for the chicken. We, we, that Tom is in there somewhere that assertive, Fuck you, Tom. So he, you know, he's he's laying down, but but uh, his his move is in there somewhere. I, I love how he builds himself up before he grabs the chicken. He, he's breathing really, really heavy, and, and it's kind of like, like looking at him like, is he gonna pass out or like? <laughs> he just takes that bite out of the chicken. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> he ate my chicken. <laughs> Sorry for the callback. Yeah. Oh, I love it. No, no. We, we know all the callbacks. Um, Roman and Jerry waiting at the airport hotel to get the call. Jerry gets the call that she's going to be CEO. Roman just wants to have sex. Look at us here waiting. So fucking hot. Just waiting. <laughs> I just love what Jerry says. I'm a successful person and I remain so by avoiding mess <laughs> and that's exactly right jerry knows where which pots not to piss in you know and, and that was a this- polite way to, to let him down she was saying all things being equal sure i'd be down but i'm not going to get involved in this mess kid and i and i i think roman crossed the line from simply an older attractive woman who he wanted to be humiliated by to she's hot you know, I'm I'm actually I'm down for this. Yeah, I was glad that, that they didn't cave in the way that they would have on like a Yellowstone or a Billions, where Jerry sure. would have been flush with the power of just being just named it. CEO and would have just done it, and they would have just, just gone there. I appreciate it, that because that's not Jerry. That's not the Jerry I know. It was so good just to hear how excited that he was when she said that she was going to be CEO, and he's like, "You're going to be my boss. You're going to be in charge of it," and like that you could. I mean, that's like, that's his shit, right? Like that, that was, that, that was all the sex that they needed in that scene. That was, it was just him going, <gasps> I would do you badly, but I would do you gladly. Badly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Lisa Arthur shows up at Kendall's place. Team genius in the house. Mm-hmm. Lisa Arthur and Keith. We just know something. Thanks, new. Keith. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, Keith. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, again, it's just this ugliness. You know, they'll make a movie about you. We should make a movie about you. Lisa's like, how would that look? What is that? <laughs> yeah. And of course, that scene interrupted because Greg, <laughs> Naomi asked for a bottle of wine. Greg goes and opens like the bottle of wine that grandma gave Dude. that they were saving for the most important occasion of their life probably worth forty thousand dollars you know did you see the dust on the bottle see it <laughs> I, I, and naomi comes in with the wine glasses and she's just grinning she's just, just grinning she's just like doesn't give some napkins. Yeah, except, yeah it was the best case scenario for her <laughs> and we're about to get to the insults but this is one of those like subtly it might have been the biggest insult of the whole show is is rava just smiling saying no no drink it drink it i don't care nothing matters anymore and, and she says you know, it's like when someone breaks something beautiful and it reminds you nothing lasts. <sighs> so just, it just walks out. Just hits and there's like two beats and Greg and Kendall, they all walk, they watch as Robin, and Naomi, they leave and Kendall just so just not just like call these brilliant fucking women, Greg. I must be doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> just totally just misreading Greg's just like, yeah, dude, you're on top of the world. The weird bro High hug. Five, yeah. Killing it, dude. Literally perfect. Literally the perfect way to wrap that up is that's where Kendall is. He is so completely clueless. That is everyone, every woman in the room has either been transactional or, or just destroying him. And he, he looks at it. He's just like, everything's great. The balls to invite his girlfriend over and then question Rava about having men's razor blades in her bathroom. It's just just absolutely incredible. So what? The entitlement of a a recovered addict, for sure. (laughs) She can't afford gender-appropriate razor blades? (laughs) I don't give you enough money. (laughs) Kidding, kidding. Obviously, kidding. Obviously kidding. All right. When we come back, let's get into our bits. Let's get into our nominations. They are happening right now. All right. We have categories. Each week, we're going to have these categories at the end. We're going to have a list of 10 of them in each one, and we'll see uh, who winds up on top. And we begin by deciding who we think each won the episode. We're going to call this our number one boy. Boy, you're my number one boy. Let's go around the panel. Uh, I will start with a man who's got a yellow box on my screen right now. That's Justice Parman. He's also wearing yellow, happens to be. Uh, Justice, who's your number one boy for week one? I mean, week one, I think it's Kendall. I think Kendall got Lisa Arthur. I think he's got the most momentum going into, you know, next episode. How that goes next episode and the episodes following, we'll see. Uh, Number number two boy as like uh as a you know uh gag pick for number one boy, I'd go with uh Carl because he really wanted a sandwich and <laughs> he wound up getting a sandwich afterwards. So he was, you know, he was very forward, independent thinking. He wound up getting a sandwich. So I'm with it. Also Hugo, because he managed a lot of you know travel and you know, yeah, yeah. it's very respectable. He did but he yeah. was able to get some private flights. Uh, another plane, you know, traveling sector everywhere under unheralded role. 
Completely yeah. Yeah. true, by the way. Usually one of the winning uh, parts of a championship team is a great traveling secretary. Uh, but I digress. All right. So, uh, Kendall, uh, any argument? Does anyone think it's not Kendall for number one boy? I, I went off the grid a little bit for my choice. Kendall is a great choice, but I was also unnerved by how calm and calculated he was at the end of the previous season to just throwing it together here's the coup and he's you know uh, making some good moves but he's making reckless calls to all the other players and he's throwing out you know the the aide who had been his key ally so the Kendall is is obviously in a powerful position, but it's all very unsettled. So my pick for number one boy at this point in this episode is Connor because he's staying out of the line of fire. He's off to the side. Uh, and fortunately, his his hired uh, mistress interjected. Don't forget your son, Logan. What's Connor going to do? So suddenly he has a seat at the table, whereas before he was just uh, an heir who was, uh, you know, sucking at the teat of Waystar Royco um, while he did his pretend presidential campaign. So uh, an unorthodox, unorthodox choice, but I'm going with Connor for number one boy for this episode. All right. Play in, play in the long game uh, with, with Connor. Corey, what do you think? Uh, while we're talking about Connor, does Willa have the best hair on television? amazing hair incredible right just goes for days oh it's amazing uh my number one boy it's kendall just just because he 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 was able to secure that it seemed that the number one target that everyone wanted was the attorney and he was able to do it and that's that that was the win of the episode i think so yeah i gotta i gotta go with kendall all right and my number one boy is going to be my number one woman the current CEO of Waystar Royco is Jerry. Uh, and, and I'm going to give episode one to Jerry. I like her game so far. Uh, very small, subtle moves. Very careful, but uh, did everything right in this episode. Um, and while I don't think she's going to win the season, uh, and, and in particular, I think being CEO of this company right now is a good chance to have a target on your back. Uh, that could get you uh, voted off the island, so to speak, survivory. Uh, I, I, hey, episode one, everything perfect. Didn't sleep with Roman. Uh, Roman still loves her. Uh, and she's a CEO of the company. So for me, I'm going to go Jerry. Uh, Kendall is the winner because he got two votes in the two on one. But I want to put Jerry uh, up there. Speaking of which, let's just do a, a real quick look because it's just week one uh, at our stock watch because we each picked two characters uh, to, to cover and to see, to see where they go. Uh, Bo picked Shiv. Shiv had uh, a tumultuous episode. I, I think she'd be at a, about a three out of 10 right now. Um, she had a rough go. She was the uh, uh, anointed CEO for about 20 minutes there. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I have faith that, that it's a good choice, uh, my horse. But uh, she she's in a in a delicate position right now for sure. She she didn't come close to 
coming out on top so far. Yeah. Uh, Corey picked Logan. Logan definitely on the fall uh, this week. Uh, Craig picked Kendall. Kendall definitely on the rise this week. That doesn't mean I love my character's trajectory. <laughs> Things that go up usually come down in succession world. Kendall's high early. Uh, Justice with Roman and Greg. Rough episode for Roman uh, for sure. Uh, Greg, you know, solid fun I, for Nicholas Braun. Yeah, it's it, it's weird. Ro- Roman is in a weird, bad, like always chaotic neutral. And I'm just hoping one day it'll just like propel him past. And Greg, you know, I I have a I have a hot take for biggest move and it involves it involves my uh, second pick it involves Greg. I love it. Well, we'll be there in just a second. Uh, and the last three picks in our power draft haven't appeared on the screen yet. Marsha Stewie or Josh Aronson played by Adrian Brody. I think we'll get at least two of them next week. Um, I don't know when we're going to get Marsha in. That was my second pick. I don't know when Marsha's showing up, but I'm still sure she's going to show up strong. Um, I, I always will believe that uh, when it comes to Marsha. Okay. So that's our number one boy. That's our stock watch up next. And this has got to be the most fun. Let's bring out our biggest insult of the show. He's like a sex robot for dad to fuck. He's like an old beaten dog. Well, he's both of those things and also a piece of shit. Okay, I'll start with this one and then we'll go around the board. Uh, Anytime Logan has somebody pitching power to him, he's going to come up with some of his best insults. And one thing that you really have to respect about Carl and Frank is that no matter how many times these guys get shit right on the top of their head, they will still stand up and self-advocate the next time. And uh, in this case, Carl is, is pitching to Logan uh, that he would be clean and, and he would, you know, why not me? I, I, I like me for okay. CEO of Waystar Royco. And, and Logan's response was, if your hands are clean, it's only because your whorehouse does manicures. <laughs> and, and that's my submission for the biggest insult. Can, can, can I go next? Because yes. because mine is literally in the exact same scene. And I thought this is this is such a great insult. And I don't even know what it means, but it was oh, so Corey. Say it, Corey. Say it, Corey. So as soon as Carl does his thing, and then they Frank shits on him, obviously. And, and then Frank jumps in and tries to give his pitch, and like it is immediately cut off by Logan. And Logan says, Frank, you're not trusted. Your mashed potatoes. Yep, mine too. That's mine. That was mine. I I don't know what that means exactly, but it is so great. Just I have not laughed. It was just a. It was such a sub like a ghost laugh from when I heard that. What? It was beautiful. You're not trusted. Okay. Your mashed potatoes. Your mashed potatoes. (laughs) Amazing. One of my favorites. Oh, so good. Okay. Quick, 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 quick ranking. What's the most trusted of the Thanksgiving sides? Green uh, beans. Green beans. green beans. Green beans. Most, most trusted side? Trusted. Yeah, because, I mean, if mashed potatoes is the least trusted. <laughs> Too yeah. mushy. Yes. Exa- yeah. Oh, man, I've had some bad mashed potatoes in my day. I'll tell you. Woo! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to finish out this draft um, of, of the most trusted side. The answer it is again. stuffing. Moving on. 
Stuffing's yeah. great. Stuffing's top tier. Yeah. Pick How is sure. nobody going to the can of cranberries like that's what you have to do right for thanksgiving <laughs> to shake the out thanksgiving the thanksgiving the corrugation yeah. on the side yeah. absolutely yeah. bo your pick for the biggest insult of the week i i in fact uh screenshotted screenshot um this screen- insult wow screenshot because it was so good they're on the on the tarmac and logan has just uh distributed everybody to what their roles are going to be logan walks up to roman who's sitting in uh the van and says go on fuck off back there tumble down dick i didn't know what the hell that was and i have i i don't watch with uh subtitles but i have it on replay so i do 15 seconds back and then it shows me uh closed captioning so i googled tumble down dick i'd never heard a term and it was a nickname for richard cromwell who was the son of oliver cromwell the Lord protector of the realm. Uh, and once Oliver Cromwell died, Richard Cromwell inherited Lord protector of the realm, but with no credibility and only held it for less than a year before the King was reinstated. And uh, there's a whole lot of place names named tumble down Dick in new England and across <laughs> the world, but, and he tussles, he tussles Roman's hair as he's doing it. Yes. And this is only in, in in succession time this is only a couple of days after logan has slapped rogan smacked him right in the face in front of everyone and so roman is in this weird place where he's accurately predicting uh where logan wants to come down on things and giving him trusted advice for probably the you know the the first time in his life he's become like a major advisor but he's still keeping him down here, tossing his head and says, fuck off back there, tumble down dick. And what he thinks is an endearing sort of thing to say to him, but which is obviously a, just a massive insult. I actually think that's the winner. I'll, I, but the winner is your, your mashed potatoes by 2-1-1. But I love your pick. Um, I, I, that was amazing. I wasn't expecting the hit. That was incredible. Yeah, and with I so much so advocacy much and, and knowledge behind it, that you, you just you win that segment, Bo. Congratulations. Absolutely. Um, it, it is time now uh, for the movers and shakers. It's time for our biggest move. I have fought and I have lost and I have fought and won. But when I lose, the other one will generally lose an eye or so. Uh, Corey, what's the biggest move uh, this week? I, th- I think the biggest move is Kendall getting, getting the attorney. Uh, that, yeah. was, that was the that was that was huge, because uh, that was that was the, the the number one person that everybody was after, and that and 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 the and the people that they were reaching out to saying who should we get, yeah. all of those people were saying this is who you have to get, and for him to be able to to, to snag her, and knowing also that she is a friend of Shiv's, and the Shiv was not able to, to pull her off, and. Uh, Kendall was able to. That was a, a, a huge, a huge get. That's my pick as well, definitely. Uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's telling us Lisa Arthur, right? That's, uh, Kendall's even saying it in the car, uh, and it was just a decision in two continents. Go get Lisa Arthur, and and Bo. Does this mean Shiv is following when she says, you know, change of plans? Is she heading over to Rava's? I wonder. 
I, I don't have a prediction on, on what exactly Shiv's move is because I, I, I did feel like she was still playing both sides, her and Logan's side, when she was talking to uh, the uh, hotshot attorney. So I don't, I, I, I'm not sure where Shiv is going, but my, my pick for biggest move was actually Roman uh, on the phone with Logan nominating himself for CEO, but knowing that two things, one, you'd have a tart on your back as the, the acting CEO, uh, you know, the head of the shit show. And two, knowing that he's really isn't the likely choice of his father's. So he nominates Jerry. So he holds a little power in that, that Jerry's likely. Uh, Jerry's incredibly competent and that he thinks it would be so hot for Jerry to be CEO and for him to be taking orders from her <laughs> in the boardroom and otherwise. So my, my choice for biggest move that actually panned out is, is Roman putting up Jerry for CEO. Hey, a big beta play by Roman uh, <laughs> failing to put himself up, but managing to get his ally uh, into a, a power spot. I like it, though. I like it a lot. Justice uh, round us out here. All right. Biggest move. Uh, I think for me, I also agree. Lisa Arthur, I think is the big one. And I love Roman's pick the pick of Roman is too, but I do kind of want to focus on Greg because in the heat of the moment, when Carolina is just questioning everything in the van and going like Kendall, like you can't be serious. And Kendall's kicking her out. And Carolina looks at Greg and says, are, are you coming with? And Greg typically one to freeze and not knowing, like not being so sure he took like a half a second. And he said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ride with these guys. And then later you kind of see his excitement and you kind of see that he's in a new environment where he doesn't have to hear the phrase uh, human furniture anymore. Hopefully to him, he feels like he, to him, I think he's really excited with his move, how that's going to turn out unclear. But to me, at least I, I loved his uh, decisiveness. And I think that is a, a move that I definitely took stock in. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And you know, this is one that's really earned and, and I, I, it pleases me guys, mm -hmm. because, you know, whereas Tom, as we know, has just, you know, berated and destroyed and belittled Greg every single step of the way in, in their insane, toxic relationship, you know, think about it, Kendall, Greg, the motherfucking egg, right? Like Kendall's gassed up Greg from time to time. Kendall gave Greg his incredible, uh, you know, apartment with the gigantic wall to, you know, floor to ceiling windows uh, that made him finally feel like a high roller before he couldn't even find a bed that would fit his frame, you know, when he was apartment hunting. So, uh, you know, Kendall's done little nice things to, to him and for him along the way, whereas Tom has done nothing but relentlessly destroy him while promoting him. Um, so I, I liked that, and I, I, I like the, the call, too, Justice. Great work on Biggest Move, guys. All right, now, Succession is a show that always gives us the opportunity to see their characters at their worst and at their cringiest. So here's a category that we threw in late, but the cringiest cringe. L to the OG, do me the OG, A and he playing, make some noise! What do we got? Well, Bo, I'll start with you. What do we got for the cringiest cringe this week? Since this was my suggestion, my, my thought 
this this bit was just Kendall's uh, dry drunk energy was really difficult. I, I found it so authentic that I had a hard time looking directly at it, talking over his own paid PR people like he was you know like his adrenaline was an eight ball of coke that he just kept going back to the the bathroom for five minutes and doing key bumps of but uh <laughs> and now that i heard you guys talk about it i think possibly the absolute cringiest one moment is the bottle of wine that kendall's ex-wife says oh that was you know priceless something i was saving for something really important but yeah go ahead that's fine it's fine uh, and her facade of of you know uh, of niceness just finally falling. You know she she can't hold it together anymore, and she just fucking hates these people. But go ahead, yeah, drink the drink the wine. You really felt for her, so that that was pretty cringy. Rava and Rava's apartment were in the death pit this week. That they were they were the least. <laughs> they were the LVPs. Oh, I feel so bad. It's <laughs> ravaged. Oh, don't don't worry. It'll only be four to five hours. Don't worry. It'll, it'll only take four to five hours. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? What what made you cringe, Justice? Uh, whereas that one that sticks out to me the most, I actually, I'm gonna take Bo's biggest move and make it my cringiest cringe. The second half of it, at least, because oh, the first half he was so shy. I was like, oh, is, is Roman actually like taking charge? Because he had that moment in uh the airport lobby he was very sure he'd pull up the drawbridge you know he had a very like succinct plan but just that little beat of silence that logan like gave to him was enough for roman to just curl back up and just completely be defeatist and just shrink and be beta toward and and the the dialogue that logan had immediately before roman called was oh yeah it's roman like roman you know is this roman you know i wasn't ready and you know give roman a shot and then roman has that and then immediately after he says roman's out done Roman's out out <laughs> end of scene he's out yep <laughs> so that'll be that'll be my entry into biggest cringe movie. fair enough um for me just because you 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 laid it up, but you didn't take it. I'll go ahead and slam dunk it through the, the hoop bow. Uh, on a dumb level, I'd like my Twitter to be off the hook. This could all get super <laughs> earnest. So I was thinking of hitting up some BoJack guys, some of the Lampoon kids, just to smash that shit. So cool kids. treats that position you well. That's the straight leg Chino way of putting it. Yeah, cool tweets. <laughs> the Lampoon kids. Lampoon. The BoJack guys and the Lampoon kids. You know. Two things that are totally similar. It's great. I, oh I love God. that he told Greg not to tweet from his account. When they were, when they were walking out of the elevator, don't, don't tweet from my account. Yeah, don't tweet from real Kendall Roy. Real Kendall Roy. That was spectacular. Oh, oh, I, won't, I won't. I won't. Just tweet from your own account. From my account. No, it's from my account. <laughs> oh, Corey, what's your biggest cringe? I, I, I was really disappointed in Carolina. To, to be honest with you, um, Logan treats her like absolute shit, like complete garbage. And I really thought that this was a good opportunity for her to bail out. And but she's very well paid. Like I, he's mentioned that she makes a million dollars a year. And I think that she thought 
okay, I'm gonna, I, I know that that's a, a thing that I can hold on to. And I, I loved it when Kendall's like, are you in or are you out? And she said, and it's like okay get out get out and she gets and she gets out of the car and then there's like so embarrassing there's all these paparazzi around her going like why are you getting kicked out of the car it was terrible as and now you really don't know will logan take her back right yeah he might think she that could she's be dead by association something. yeah 100%. she was in the car she's dead and then he's he's obviously got uh hugo that he's that he's dragging all over the world right now she might be done and so she might have completely screwed herself out of both sides which is too bad because I, li- I like her character actually but yeah i think i think she really fucked up on that great uh, she, she picks can, for she the at least lean on the fact that she told kendall that you know we're riding in a waystar roy car car here have you really thought about this <laughs> she, she was in the car and at the press conference but she uh she was not on board. She she had no idea. So I, I think she has another life left in her. That he, he thought that they could just go back to the building and he could yeah. just post up there, which is yeah. amazing to me. It didn't even occur to him, like, oh, oh they might not want me there. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Well, guys, our last category is a category that I'm not sure when we're really going to get to open it officially. And it's our Tomlet with Greg's. Do you know what is special about the hours between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. on the night of March 12th? Uh, No, sir. That was the only two-hour period in which you did not send an email to Mr. Hirsch with the title, You Can't Make a Tomlet Without Breaking Some Greggs. You sent the same email to him 67 times in one evening. I guess it was a joke. (laughs) We had no Tomlet with Greg's this week, guys. No Tom Greg interactions. The greatest comedy couple on TV, uh, separated by multiple continents. Uh, this week, when are we going to get our our first Tomlet? I think it's next week. I, I, I think I think it'd be it would be I would totally admire if they were like, yeah, we're going to go two whole episodes and not have a Tom and Greg interaction. Because it, it would at least give the characters to do to rely on something else, but yeah, man, I, I need some. I need Thomas with Greg's. I'm hungry over here. I needed it. Weird twist in energy uh, when they're playing off each other for sure. What? Uh, since we're on the subject of Tom, they weren't in the same room together. What did we think of Tom playing the reverse banjo of putting up Roman and Jerry for CEO instead of his obvious real choice as Shiv? Um, <laughs> Logan, I don't know what a reverse banjo is, but Logan said that's what he was doing by yeah, doing the, the reverse banjo. Put the black spot on her. Yeah, that's just... the other one he said. Put the black spot on her. Yeah, I, oh, Logan has the best bullshit detector of anyone on the show by yeah. fifty-five miles. And there were multiple beautiful examples of that. Went talking to Shiv, talking to Roman, and, and right there where you just you know that the exact. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> you like Roman? Oh, really? You like Jerry? You know, it's like okay, you know, fuck off, basically. Uh, that 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 was incredible. All right, guys, we're at the end of the journey, but uh, just real quick, any expectations? For next week, what what are you guys looking for? I do think we're going to get uh, Adrian Brody probably on online, uh, may, maybe Scarsgard as well next week. That's my guess. I need Stewie. 
Yeah, where's yeah. Stewie? Right? Gotta have some Stewie. He's spectacular. We gotta have some Stewie. And we need a little Marsha, too. Something's going on with her. I think there could be a potential. Like, I think maybe next week is where we see at least some of the cat, like, more, like come more together, give more of that ensemble feel, be in the same place. I think a little more New York action. But, uh, yeah. Other than that, maybe, like, first actual, like, shot across the bow and a reaction from that. What's going to be the first move? How is a... Who's who's Leo? Who like what is that gonna look like? Like I'm super interested. Also, uh, like Shiv ended on that Shiv cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Uh, the one thing that's not going on right now is Bo. He just dropped. Uh, oh so no! That, that's why we just didn't get his prediction uh, on what's gonna happen. Uh, you know, coming up on this second week. Yeah, I mean. The one thing I'm really, really curious about, I don't have a prediction for it, but I'm just really curious because we talked about it on our preview episode. Um, and if anyone just picked up this one, you haven't picked up the previous one, go back and check it out. Um, but we talked about one of the things we really liked on the show was how they manipulated time and how there would be sometimes two weeks or a month uh, or, or multiple months in between episodes. And, and they would kind of... Uh, time locate early in, in the episode without doing it in a corner Chiron or something. Um, but this time, of course, we picked up a second after we dropped. And I'm wondering if this season is going to be much more serialized in terms of like, could the entire season take place in a week? Could the entire season take place in a couple of weeks uh, as these big battles are being fought or is that going to be a feint? And and because I know they're going to be in the Italian countryside at some point. That's what the New Yorker uh, magazine was was situated mm. uh, article was situated in. So like, you know, at, at what point uh, will things get back to that pace? I wonder. That's super interesting. The, if there was a writing team, I could do it. Like they could totally do it, and it would be so fascinating to watch the whole season unfurl in just that short of time when they've been and when they've been doing not that in the first two seasons but yeah that'd be super interesting uh yeah i feel i feel like everyone has to be get to new york first and i think after that they'll do like a whole vacation somewhere and have that big lavish getaway at some point or another the reception of some sort and see what happens and then it'll be the four weeks six weeks but yeah i mean for the next two to three episodes I think you got to stay in this pace. There's so much happening. When they were in the van. Oh, sorry. Go go ahead, oh, I'm sorry. I was, I was going to say when they were in the van and, they, and uh, Jess was kind of going through, uh, Rome, uh, uh, Kendall was asking Jess, like, you know, who do we, who do we have to hit? So I think that might be something that happens in the next week or the next couple weeks. She was going through, it's like, oh, well, you got to, you got to talk to your mom. You got to talk to Greg's mom. You got to talk to, uh, you know, Logan's brother. Uh, um, uh, how do you, What's his like name? James Cromwell. Yeah. 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 You got to talk to him. So there's a list of people that he's got to go sell to. So that might be something that's, that's coming up in the next couple of episodes. And, and Bo, you're yeah. back with us. Uh, some closing thoughts here. I, I don't know where the story is going to go, but I, I do think two things maybe are likely to come up. One Greg's Twitter feed is going to be, uh, thrown in the mix for some reason. It's going to be a problem that they uh, fire that has to be put out. And they're going to end up on a big boat again at some point, just because that was so popular and such an effective uh, location to be on um, and so evocative. So where the story goes, I have no idea, but a yacht and Greg's Twitter is, is our future. 
I love it. Well, guys, uh, never has a gathering of four white men on the internet been more entertaining uh, than this right here today. Uh, I, I truly appreciate it. Uh, week one of Succession in the book, episode two of Full Fucking Beast in the book. Quick housekeeping at the end here. We do thank you for getting to the end. Uh, Crossing Streams is in twice weekly production mode here as fall turns into winter through uh, the full fucking beast run. So uh, on Thursday of last week, episode 145 of Crossing Streams proper, Marissa Kelly joined me for a Ted Lasso season two finale review we went over the season as a whole what we liked what we didn't like we had some disagreement in terms of what we liked and what we didn't like check it out if you're a ted lasso fan if you've watched the season uh check it out that's episode 145 in your feed and coming this thursday episode 146 in the crossing streams feed which you get right here same places you get uh your succession podcast i'm really really excited about this i'm welcoming on Chappelle uh from the rob has a podcast feed he hosts a show called nothing but Netflix, uh, where they talk about different Netflix shows, and Chappelle and I are going to talk about Midnight Mass. Uh, and I don't know if any of you guys watched or finished Midnight Mass on Netflix, the latest Mike Flanagan project. It is one of my absolute favorite shows of the year. It's my favorite Mike Flanagan show of the three he's done for Netflix, and it's a show that starts off very, um, a very measured pace. Okay, some would say slow. Uh, but it's really a lot of character building, like some very intricate character building that then after the third episode, then you know what you're in. After the third episode, then the show reveals itself to you and you find out the actual genre of story you're in. And it's one of the best tellings of that genre of story that I've seen in years and years and years and years. So uh, that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to truly spoil it. But we're going to spoil the shit out of it on Thursday <laughs> with Chappelle. So uh, check that out, Midnight Mass. And of course, next Monday night, our all-star panel will be back uh, together again. So again, gentlemen, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, I, your forbearance, your all the study that you brought uh, and the time you spent with us. And we'll talk to you again next week, eh? Thank you for Sounds the good. Thank you thank for you. the chicken. <laughs> well until we get back together after episode two of six of season three of succession for justice parman for Corey stewart and for our official succession correspondent bull line i'm craig elston reminding you it's war fuck off it's war fuck off okay fuck off